Well, wait a minute. One time I was on a steel 72 at 390 feet without a fin. What are you going to do there? Nobody would come with me. What was I supposed to do? Yeah, my rag free flowed. I didn't care. I sucked air from the water. I grabbed a fish, cut out his gills, stuck him in my throat. The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Get the fuck out. They can get the fuck out. Let them get the fuck out. Get the fuck out, then. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back. No segue. There's a low energy Whoa. feeling here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. We should uh, have some small talk first. Well, it's it, uh, getting a little cold. Winter's definitely here, even though it's still um, officially not winter. Uh, three weeks away. Yeah. Although they said it was supposed to be a little warmer than I'm feeling. Teens, teens and twenties this morning. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna warm up into the mid thirties by okay by mid, would, midday, but that would be forties today. You know, no, not till later in the week. It's gonna climb back up a little bit, but. These 30-degree days definitely get you that, that feeling of, it's wintertime, baby. I don't know if we should say 30. More baby, like it's cold the outside. Teens. When it gets to the teens, I start feeling it. But When, you just start when we're complaining about 30s, we're not really from Michigan. When you, yeah, but when you just start whistling classic Christmas songs just <laughs> on your, on you your walk outside of the car, it's, it's wintertime. Well, it's definitely wintertime. We're getting chilly, although I still have some leaves. Leaves that have been clinging. They don't want to fall. Whole tree falls. Oh. Trees full, I should say. Yeah. Sounds well, we, like, do you remember that Saturday Night Live, uh, two girls on the radio, and they're interviewing Alec Baldwin? And they're like, yeah. I love when those dogs come and lay on my lap. They're so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're so cuddly. Yeah. Sweaty balls. Sweaty balls. The sweaty balls routine, but they had other routines yeah, yeah. too. But. Well, no, because it's just making me think of the little holiday dive we did the other day. And we had a freeze up out there. Yeah. One freeze up. Probably lack a, of maintenance. That I don't was know a. If it was the cold. Well, it, it, was a, it, it was a lack of maintenance that started it. But that's the thing of when you're in cold environment, 30 degree weather, you know, 30 degree Fahrenheit weather and lower, and you have a little bit of an equipment issue, a little bit of a leak, a little bit of a free flow, and that weather's below that freezing temperature, even a degree or two below that freezing temperature, it makes it really hard to get ahead of the game 
And that was the issue that that our guy had is he had a little bit of a leak, and by the time he got to the water, it was just unstoppable for him. Yeah, he had to abort. To pay a lot of work to abort. It's a lot of work of getting, getting geared ready, up, getting well, geared up, getting up all... in the morning, driving out <laughs> in the cold. <laughs> Right, getting yeah. suited up out in the cold. I mean, it, it was a cold, windy day. So, yeah. I mean, your hands are freezing, you know, before you even get into your gear. You know, grabbing all the the brass and the steel and the aluminum and, you know, all the, all the equipment that you're putting together. Your hands are cold. You go through all of that just to get to the water with a, pss, a free flow <laughs> regular that just ends up going nuts on you. But he... um he made the call of aborting the dive. Ah. Uh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, he's on a single tank, even though it was a, not a crazy free flow, you know it's not going to get any better. Right. Right. So definitely the, the right call to make after all of that. The story we're going to have today, though, on the Great Dive Podcast, welcome back, everybody, to the Great Dive <laughs> Podcast. That's who you're listening to. With your host. With your host. Chili Schwartz <laughs> and Frozen Jamesy. Oh, Frozen Jamesy. Frozen 2, Jamesy. Did you, did you take the kids to see Frozen 2 this weekend? No, I don't take the kids to see movies. Well, we're talking about Frozen regulators, not Frozen the Disney movie. Not Frozen characters. I don't I I don't I don't think well, I've were... even seen the first Frozen. As a matter of fact, I know I haven't. It's, I haven't either. Yeah. I'm not a Disney fan. The last time I, I saw a Disney movie, I was probably well, 10 years old. I believe you don't know that you're seeing Disney movies when you're seeing Disney movies. It's, now. you know, it was Disney like, owns Well, they own everything now. They own Fox, I know, they own but ABC. I mean, like your classic this oh, is a classic. Disney movie, you know, like Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, The Little Mermaid. That was probably the last yeah. Disney movie I remember seeing. You saw Little Mermaid? Now, why would you watch The Little Mermaid? Why would you put that in your brain? Let it I was young. Ferment. You weren't. I had a thing for, I had a thing for mermaids. You? I was young. Yeah, you were young. You were 30. <laughs> when you can say 30 is young, you're old, officially. 30 is young. 30 is young for you, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, being that it's uh, getting cold out, and we do have a lot of listeners that do dive cold water environments, and a lot of people who live in a colder environment through the wintertime that do a lot of their diving on travel because they don't understand how to deal with the cold weather or don't want to deal with the cold weather, I figure it'd be a, this is a, a good, timely article dealing that we just dealt with one of these freeze-ups because you don't have to be really in a icy, snowy, wintry condition to really have a regulator freeze-up issue. I agree. And then like you mentioned earlier, just with the bad maintenance, you could have the same effect of having a freeze-up regulator with just poor maintenance and a free flow. Yeah, if your seat goes, it's the same thing. Right. And then if you have poor maintenance in a temperate environment, not necessarily wintry conditions, but right on the edge, right, that coolness combined with the free flow could lead to a freeze up of that second stage that just doesn't stop free flowing. And that's kind of the issue that our diver had today on this old 1999 skin diver. Okay, so... By the way, I did want to make mention that coming up at the end of January, put on by the 
NOAA National Marine Sanctuary up in Thunder Bay, Michigan, up in Alpena, is the TBIFF, the Thunder Bay International Film Festival, going on January 22nd through the 26th. So they do a uh, a bit of a ocean-friendly, Great Lake-friendly film festival up there every year. And uh, they got uh, different educational events going on, you know, social parties going on afterwards, meet and greets kind of a thing. And I, I, I know uh, we've got invited up this year. So hopefully we can get some contact from some of our listeners. Maybe some of you will be up there to, uh, to meet and join us while we're up there. It might be fun to have a uh, TGDP table at the pub or something at one of the evenings. I like it. Listeners, you going to join us? Shoot us a message and let us know. Maybe we'll finally have T-shirts available for that. <laughs> yes, I apologize to another listener. Yeah, we're looking at the uh, Thunder Bay Film Festival website right now, and it's the thunderbayfriends.org. One, one word, right? Thunderbayfriends.org. I'm uh, not going to insult your intelligence and spell that for you. So go take a look at that, and they should have a link at that umbrella page. Yeah, the, the show schedule should be up soon. Tells who they are, what they're about. Scavenger hunts, eh? ROV competition. Shipwreck tours. Maritime festival. Cardboard boat regatta. Let's get in on that this year. And then the film festival is right there. Oh, sharks right there. But there's a, a mix of stuff you know, all over the world, as well as Great Lakes films. Okay. January 22nd to the 26th, 2020. Should be a good time. How much are tickets? Check out the website and see. I don't know that it's up yet. Okay. All right. Well, hey, let's get started on this. I learned about diving from that time. I put a frozen regulator in my mouth and it almost put this diver on ice. So this is from February of 1999. A skin diver by written by a Douglas Schwan, or it could be Squan. Could be Squan. <laughs> Probably a Squan. We have a way of being able to butcher pretty much anybody's name. This article starts off by saying that our club had chartered three days worth of diving out of Tobamori, Canada. And this day, our third, we were to dive the Arabia. She is a three-masted, 131-foot wooden sailing ship that sank upright and intact in 1884, she rests at a 117 feet off of Echo Island. But during our briefing, the charter captain cautioned us that at least 12 divers had lost their lives on the Arabia. Now, for a very long time, I mean, the Arabia has been the draw to Tobamori. And it still is. Even it's a good though, draw. Yeah, even though it's, you know, uh, decomposing a little bit, it is still. A, a beautiful sight. The bow of that wreck is ingrained in my brain as just one of those classic Great Lake shipwreck sites. It is. It's uh, old Woody sitting upright on the bottom that you don't really find anywhere else in the world except here in the Great Lakes. Yeah, I mean, bow, you may occasionally find up, one. Here but that like bow sprit pointing, pointing up and off. I can clearly remember the very first time I ever dove it back in the early 90s, probably 93, 94, and you go down... You descend down to one of those big cement blocks because it's a marine park up there. So all the wrecks were marked and set up those permanent moorings by the uh, National Marine Park up there years ago so that you're not dropping anchor on the wrecks. But you go down to that big cement block 
and then there's a line that takes you over to the wreck. And like you and I were chatting about with earlier, back in the 90s, it was black as night almost in over 100 feet of water up there. Everywhere. So, yeah. I mean, it, not necessarily black as night, but it was dark. And I remember leaving that leaving that cement block because you go actually go deeper than what the wreck really is because you got to go all the way to the bottom where that block is and the line runs up to the starboard rail at the bow. And then I just remember seeing this huge wall of hull in front of me. Boom, hit that. like, And then that was just like the blackness because you're like, holy shit. And then you come up and over top and you're on the on the bow of that wreck. And it's cold. Cold as hell. That was my very yeah. very last wetsuit dive in the Great Lakes. It was on the Arabia. <laughs> I remember that. That convinced you. That was the convincer right there. Okay, we're done with this. Yeah, I was done. I was done. It was our you know last last day of our trip up there, and uh, I came back, and I remember saying, "I don't care what it takes. I need to go into a dry suit." I got. It. I don't care <laughs> you know, what it takes. The guys at the shop were like, "Oh yeah, well let's get you let's get you one." I, had, I used some crappy old hand me down Viking for uh, you know for a season or two after that. It was all duct taped back together. That was the beauty of those old Vikings. They were monsters of dry suits, but you could just slap on a piece of duct tape and oh yeah, you're, and it you're held. Dry, you're dry again. Yeah, and it held. And a lot of drag with those suits, but man, they were tough. The old rubber, hefty suits. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could fall down the the rocky hill <laughs> at the quarry, or or even down here. You know, you you could fall down one of the cliffs at. Flower Pot Island up here in Tobor, <laughs> and then get into the water, and you wouldn't have to worry about tearing a hole in your suit. Just keep going. Sure, you're, even if your bone was sticking out of your your leg, <laughs> it wouldn't poke through that suit. It acts almost as a splint. So, yeah, as you, as you come out of Little Tub Harbor, where all the boats are there in Tobomori, there's a scattering of islands out in the Fathom 5 National Marine Park out there, that in and around all that area are a bunch of old shipwrecks, most of which, you know, crashed and smashed and got beaten up on the rocks. And a lot of the wrecks are pretty demolished. Lots of stuff on them, but a lot of them are pretty beaten up. The Arabia has always been one of the prizes up there, though, for being as intact as it is, because it actually sank in a little bit more of open water off one of those islands. And there's so many wrecks up there that one of the cool things about diving in that Tobermory area is generally you can always get out to at least something. It may be a, a, a shallow wreck, but you could get up there and you might endure a little bit of rough surface conditions while you're going out from the harbor, you know, passing a couple of the islands out in that those open channels, you know, but once you get off of Cove Island or something, you know, and you've got all that protection, you know, then you could have a, a dive that was actually in pretty decent conditions. Yeah. You know, there, there's just so many of those little islands up there. Yeah, you could always go out, almost, well, almost always go out. Very rarely were we blown out. Right. And there's a couple shore diving sites in Tobe, so yeah, just to put a nice plug in for the Tobe diving Yeah, the good old Tobe Memorial Diving Area. A lot of fun trips up there oh, in, the, yeah. in the past. Big groups. 
I wonder if our uh, friend Tess listens to our podcast I up there at the Princess. Does. Yeah, shout out to old Tess at the Princess Hotel. I shouldn't say old. She was a nice. I didn't she say was old. A, I you said, said old, old Tess. I said I said Princess at the old Princess. I thought you said the old Tess. I, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna play Tess that back to you. <laughs> the old Princess. <laughs> the old Tess. Maybe you wanted to say Tess. I didn't say you're old. Yeah, shout out to old Tess at the Princess Hotel. Yeah, shout out to old Tess at the Princess Hotel. Got to watch, Jamesy. On the boat ride out, I met Joel, a relatively new club member who was also without a buddy. Fully suited, I began a systematic check of all my equipment. Split fins, check. Snorkel, <laughs> check. Air hey. McDoodle, check. <laughs> check. Um, well, you know, you know back, in the, back in the 90s, other than the split fins. Mari's that, hub. That was, Mari's that, hub. That check. Was <laughs> that was basically it, yeah. you know, back back in those days. We should make the top ten gimmicky scuba gear items. Over the right? years. Yeah. Over the years, yeah. yeah. The, the classic people vote. I think that uh that'd be kind of funny. If you've had them, you get extra points, that kind of thing. A contest maybe. Yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah. Tiffany, get on that. <laughs> um, where was I? Joel completed his own equipment check. And gave me the thumbs down. I was impressed with Joel's self-assuredness and familiarity with his equipment. We were the third buddy group off the back of the charter boat. While we waited on the surface for other divers to clear the descent line, another dive boat approached the site. I ignored it as Joel signaled that the line was clear. I dumped all my air and allowed the rope to slide through my hand. I landed on a concrete block that anchored the mooring line but couldn't spot the Arabia. Right, and that's like uh, what we were saying, you know, back in the 90s. And, and this is uh, an article from 99. So, I mean, this is probably a story that this guy had, you know, five or ten years prior. And that was it back then. Like, you hit the block in 110-odd feet, and then you swam back up that line that attached to the wreck. And it was probably 20, 30 feet away, you know. But you couldn't see. No. You, you couldn't see the until you pretty much got on it, and you're, oh, here we are. Boom, you hit the wall of the, the, <laughs> the starboard bow. A line attached to the mooring rope led off into the dark, and I surmised it must be attached to the wreck. I looked around for Joel but couldn't find him. I was beginning to think he aborted the dive when he appeared above me. I pointed to the line leading from the mooring rope. He nodded and started off in front of me. Typical Joel. Typical Joel. Get typical, out of my way. Typical buddies back in the day. Right, so I mean, communicate like if you threw a couple of, or I should say, you know, if you flashed a couple of hand signals, just a nod back, <laughs> you know, that, that was buddy communication yeah. back in these days, yeah. right? Just give you a nod back, yeah. About this time, I noticed a barely audible hiss. Cue sound effects. <laughs> Tiffany, <laughs> cue sound effects. Which button is it? It's the one marked it's barely like... audible hiss. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, sorry. That's the sorry. He- that's the loud hiss. <laughs> no, that's that's a turkey gobble. I, what the hell is that? What is going on back there? There we go. That's barely audible. The noise intensified a little, but I thought it could just be my imagination. 
easy to do. Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany, intensifying hiss button. <laughs> there we go. She's on the ball. So he says that we reached the wooden railing and went up onto the deck. Joel flipped me the okay sign and went to- <laughs> <laughs> right there, buddy. <laughs> Oh, flip me the okay sign. I'm often flipping people the okay sign. Is that that's what they called it back yeah. then? You're number one. <laughs> You're number one, buddy. <laughs> flipping me the number one sign. And without thought, I returned it. He began making his way toward the after deck. Now, if we stop there, like and just make mention of why that okay signal is one of the most hated signals you know for anybody who's you know a veteran diver it's because of that very thing is it's flashed without thought just out of routine and habit mm-hmm. everything's returned everything good yeah. and then it's like yeah i'm good oh after the after the fact i better check and make sure that yeah. i am actually good right that's the issue with it and that's the case here is he's like yeah i'm good and then he's like oh shit i better check my gas but now, and, and, and back in these days, if you communicated with your buddy once at the beginning when we got down, yeah. once when we got to the wreck, and then twenty minutes later when we go, hey, we all ready to go up? Or that when, was a good. That was when a you're back well, on the deck when <laughs> yeah. you're like, how was your dive? Yeah, 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 right. That was a pretty good dive team back right. back in the day, well, right? Yeah, if you stayed together for the whole dive, right? But you weren't aware typically of each other the whole time, and it was so like I see him right there. He's only. 10, 15 feet away from me, but 10, 15 feet away in 20 foot of visibility, it might as well be a hundred feet away, you know, cause, and you're constantly on the chase and you're constantly out of the, um, field of vision, right? So in that diver's mind, as you're swimming behind, trying to get there, they're completely oblivious to you trying to tell them, Hey, 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 I need your attention. And then generally when you get there, he looks up, sees that you're there, flashes you an okay, and then goes right back to. <laughs> it doesn't even looking, wait for you know, the return. Get, yeah. Right? Doesn't it just. I'm okay. <laughs> so that is a bit of what we have here with old Doug and Joel. Doug says, "Just as I started after him, I heard a large whoosh." Tiffany. Tiffany. Cue the whoosh. whoosh. <laughs> I picked up my console. To check my air pressure, and suddenly my world turned into a deluge of bubbles. A torrent ripped the regulator from my mouth, and as I grabbed at it, I hit my mask, causing it to flood. The sudden head movement, loss of vision, and curtain of bubbles all conspired to induce vertigo. This guy's having a a rough time of it. That's all at once. Whoosh. Whoosh. That is the whoosh. So So you're at 110-ish feet. What do you do? How do you get your buddy's attention? Well, so back in these days, they might have had a pistol grip light, which was kind of flooded for the most part. So it's going to light up. It might have penetrated about three feet in that water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So flashing a light signal like you would nowadays probably isn't going to do anything right um it's going to be a matter of having to swim and chase down and grab and physically start you know shaking that buddy going hey (laughs) can't you see i'm whooshing (laughs) tiffany cue the shaking the buddy um low on gas because he's been free flowing 
you know, from that whole time of making the descent, swimming over a couple of minutes. You know, it's it's not seconds, but it's 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 a couple of minutes of a of a full free flow on a full aluminum eighty out of a free flow and fully free flowing second stage. And he didn't have a fully free flowing second stage at the time. He's going to right now. Yeah, that's what's right? happening that's right issue, now. Right? That's the whoosh, so isn't it? Well, that's where the whoosh <laughs> finally uh, everything takes off, right? So that that torrent of bubbles that he's talking about is the little trickle, right, that he was ignoring. That ice starts collecting in in that second stage uh, little lever at the second stage demand lever. And now it's so much that it's just not going to shut. Okay. My tank was rapidly emptying, and I didn't know which way was up. Gripping the mouthpiece with my teeth, I was relieved to find I still had air. I decided to make an emergency ascent. Luckily. It's the one thing you remembered from the old <laughs> open water class. Now You had, never practiced it. Now, had he known about TGDP back then, yeah. he would know that the first thing you always do it is, is pee. Is pee. <laughs> pee your wetsuit, baby. Pee, wetsuit. <laughs> pee look up, <laughs> exhale. Make the... Come to the end of the ice and snow <laughs> sound. Right. All no, the way you to the make, surface. No, you got to make the ah, and then break the surface with come to the land of the ice and snow. Oh, man, I need a refresher. I know, dude. <laughs> it's easy to com- get confused. Wait, do I start with it? <laughs> At least I had the pee down. Yes. Well, that's the most important part, pee. Pee your wetsuit. Um, yeah, but when we look at this, this is the old days of shit. It's the fan bolt. Safety's at the surface. Go to the top, right? Um, and I, I mean, I remember when I did this dive, like when I was talking back in those early '90s. It was just that. I mean, the gas plan was don't run out of air. It's a deep dive. You know, be careful. There was there wasn't a gas management plan put together like we would do nowadays. There, uh, there wasn't the awareness of the buddy team assuming for a, a case just like this to occur right from the beginning to put that whole ascent plan together, assuming that. It was, shit, it's the fan. Get the fuck out. Get it out. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> ah! Ah! Right. Centering my attention on the air bubbles, I try to remain calm and ascend no faster than they were. I controlled my breathing, fearful my air supply would run out, continuing my ascent, still blind. I realized I didn't know where the second dive boat was. My mind generated visions of coming up under a large spinning propeller. No joke, right? Well, we just had somebody get an arm chopped off. I think it was off the coast of California. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all all things that used to be relatively normal back in the day, be, in, in my opinion, it's because of the way education was back then was if something's going wrong, yeah, get, that, get to the surface. That's the and, mindset back then. That was safety was at the surface. Right. Whereas Unlimited nowadays, air supply. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays we teach. Handle it. Keep your shit together. Mm-hmm. Solve your problem underwater. 
because you still have this whole ascent you have to do. Right. So you can get out of the water clean and not get run over by a, a boat because you just pop up in the middle of a traffic lane on the surface or get bent on the way up because you lost control shooting to the surface or embolize because you didn't know where your buddy was and you had to do an emergency ascent from too deep and, and couldn't pull it off. I mean, there's so many reasons why having that gas plan together, having that team organization together that's going to allow you to have something terrible like this, big free flow, even right down to losing all of your gas, you could still manage a clean ascent and getting two people up to the surface clean and safe. The whole point isn't to just get air. The whole point is to get back to the boat decompressed, <laughs> right? Because you still safe got... <laughs> in one piece, and I mean, you always have that ritual of ascent, which is a nice slow ascent with proper stops and etc. And then you get to the surface, and you even and if you watch, even if even you're if really you're scared, of, <laughs> even if you're scared, even if you're out of gas, even if you're... even if you've lost whatever you know, whatever piece of equipment. That's why you have a team, and that's why you need to keep your like you you say, keep your shit together. And, and you'll make it. I think we've learned that, though, that mindset. Well, that's hoping. the, I, I would say that's the 20 years. Right. Since. The There's not, still that but, out there, though. That mindset is still being taught. And that's what I think we, we preach against. I, I mean, that's yeah. where we get up on the podium a wee bit because. Because you do. Hindsight still is 2020, isn't it? Yeah, of course. You can look course. at this stuff. We can now look 20 years back and go, this doesn't work. We have so many fatalities and. And accidents that could have been prevented all because they went to the old axiom of at the surface is all my air. So I got to get there right now. Right. Yes. And that is true. Right. Yes, you do need air, but you still also need to take care of the physics. Right. Involved in the in the rest of this dive is adverse as the situation is. You still got to dive to finish. You do. Absolutely. And that's. All it takes is a little practice and, yeah. and I guess looking at it in the right way. You approach the dive with the what could go wrong. Should something go wrong at the furthest point of the dive, what do I need to get home? And how would I do it? Right. And that's how we plan the beginning of every dive nowadays is making that assumption. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like back, it, but back in these Murphy's days. Murphy's with us, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But back in these days, I mean, I, I remember being on my aluminum 80, you know, uh, swimming on over, um, one time I did this dive with no fins on. Yeah, that was a that good story? idea. Remember that story, <laughs> right? Because I forgot fins and everybody, you know, all the old timers like, ah! We fins. didn't need fins. fins. Fins are for sissies. I got peer pressure. All right, I'll do it with no fins. Screw you guys. Right? So you, you just look back at those old and days. And if you didn't make it back, they would have said, he just didn't have what it takes. <laughs> they would never say, God, well, maybe you should have had fins. <laughs> What the fuck were we thinking? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But it was like, oh, you, you hand over hand down the line to the cement block. You hand over hand the line from the block over to the wreck. Hand over hand, you know, down the rail to the, the break of the ship. Play around. You can totally circumnavigate the bow. Hand over hand back to the block. Hand over hand back to the surface. What the hell you need fins for? You'll be fine. Just, just go do the dive, you pussy. Now I look back and I go, geez, well, stupid. Not not because I, I couldn't pull it off, but it's like, well, you know, what if I had to help out my buddy? Yeah, right? you can. I, I look at it like that nowadays. Like, well, what? that's the whole one-sided view that you, you were given before, <laughs> that now you've, you kind of see a big picture going, well, 
oh, you know, it's more not to just, it, just me. And uh, I need to rely on my partner and they need to rely on me. So we both kind of have to have full functioning set of gear. At the worst case scenario. Yeah, exactly. Like if I made it to the break and that's where now I needed to get you and I home, I'd been in a world of trouble. Oh, yeah. But we both would have. Right, we would have been in this case of like just shooting to the surface out of Think control. Of yeah. Think of, you know, an unconscious diver you got to bring up. You haven't got any fins. Oh. I want you to think you about how hard it is already to control another diver coming up and you're taking care of them. With fins. With fins. It's, and now you take away it's, the it's fins worked. and it's per, it's solely buoyancy control device on two people, right? Yeah. That's, Are you going to take his fins off and steal them? And, well, he's out. He's unconscious. He doesn't, he doesn't really need them. If you had duct tape, just hey. duct tape his legs to your legs, <laughs> and you can flip them for him. Come on, you're going to <laughs> be gonna serious. Need, be serious. <laughs> you're going to need gorilla tape. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tape it works underwater. Not work yeah. underwater. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> you always catch me in my ridiculous stories. <laughs> Come in of- with the sanity. Speaking of ridiculous, after what seemed like an interminable period, I came up exactly between both dive boats. Joel surfaced a few seconds behind me. He had seen my predicament and followed me up. Thanks, Joel. Dougie, what are you doing? The hell, man. Dougie, you're shooting to the surface in a curtain of bubbles. I I followed you up. Could have two bent divers, but. Well, there's a real good possibility of that. You know, and that's the. That's the issue. Just part of the issue, just one of the issues. But again, it's it's easy to look back with the hindsight bias and point out all the little ridiculousness. But I think more to the point is just the mindset was completely completely off. different. Yeah, it was, right. When when your training has been something goes wrong, make the ah uh, swim to the surface. That's where safety is. Versus manage your gas in a way that you're going to assume. A full-on free-flow loss of gas, air share, gas management, return back to the line with a full ascent and all your stops necessary. If you've managed it that way and you've practiced that that way, it's easy to have the hindsight of saying, well, they did it wrong there by just shooting to the surface. But if that's all you knew... That's what you did, yeah. That's what you did. That's what you were taught. And we can see after over the course of decades where that comes up short. More times than, oh, than yeah. not. Well, you might eventually make it to the surface only to embolize, you know, have it pop yes. the bubble through your lungs. I've I fixed one problem. Uh, right. I but made I'm it to not the surface. Better, <laughs> I'm not better off in exactly. this situation by I'm any no stretch longer of the imagination. Out of air, but I've uh, I have a big old hole in my lung. <laughs> and I can't feel my legs. Yes, and I can't feel my legs. I'm paralyzed though. So. On the boat ride back, we surmised that the first stage had frozen open, allowing the powerful free flow. Tiffany. Q whoosh pop. Brando was right. I said it was first stage. Well, that's what I'm saying is often that second stage uh-huh. f- freezes yeah. and causes a constant loss of gas yes, out of, right. out of and the first so stage. The, the, that the first stage freezes open as well. Right, because it's because going it's so fast. losing yeah. pressure right yeah. there. Yeah. That reduces. What is that called? Adiabatic? Oh, you're scratching your head. You can't remember the adiabatic heat exchange or something like that. It's when the the gas is going from high to low pressure so quickly that it cools everything around it. When you have that, sometimes you'll come up with your first stage, a chunk of ice. Like you'll get out of the water and that first stage is a block of ice. You ain't getting it off of your your tank valve. 
Yeah, half an inch thick. I love that. It looks cool, doesn't it? It does look cool. It looks cool. It makes a good picture. That's why I love it. Nowadays, Douglas says, I'm a little more cautious about deep cold water dives. I purchased a regulator designed for cold water, and I'm more alert as a buddy. And I have a 100-foot snorkel. Well, that's well, that's part of it, that's, right? That's part of learning. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I think that's one thing that a lot of divers do, even still today, is they get gear so they can go diving, and it's easy to push beyond the limitations of the gear as much as it is to push beyond the limitations of your training and experience. And then you get into an environment like this where you're like, ooh, over 100 feet in northern Great Lakes in that wetsuit? Mm, I've made better decisions. With this rental pool regulator that's designed for 80-degree water, I've made better decisions. Great Caribbean <laughs> shallow reef diving, right? Greg. Yeah, yeah. Not so but, great Great Lakes, 100-plus foot of water. Yeah, no kidding. 39 degrees, 37 degrees water. He says, I also pay more attention to my equipment. The hissing was a four- or five-minute warning. This was more than enough time to reach the mooring line and make a nice controlled ascent. I had a lot of luck with me on that dive. I now increase my luck by being more aware. And awareness being a huge part of the way you and I teach today that just wasn't it just wasn't part of the training back in the decades past. Yeah, the idea of situational awareness started to evolve later and situational awareness is a buzzword now in the scuba training agency industry. We know where it all started. But you just can't say the word. You have to really define what it is and test the people at it. And it's something that also develops over time. You know, it's not just yeah, you have is, situational awareness. Well, ultimately, it, it, it is the sixth sense. To know, a certain at, degree. At the, at the end end of it all, it, it's, a, it's a lot of that, right? Well, it comes from being an instructor. It comes from diving in different environments. It comes from diving a lot. The more experience you have, the more you're looking out for certain things because you have an experience where things went wrong. So you know what to look for. So you're constantly scanning and you your see, environment yeah, for yeah. for and these you see how these things key things and your and your dive partners you're looking at things yeah and, right? and how these things evolved right like like this case of hindsight being oh man I had I, should be I had it. a little like blinking light telling me for five minutes hey 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 you're gonna have a problem you're gonna have a problem with that hissing building up of of the regular that was ignored. Because his focus was on doing the dive, the end goal, not being aware of the environmental factors around him, the equipment situation happening around him. And his partner needs to be aware of when you're watching each other dive and you see a bubble constantly coming from wherever, from the first stage, from the second stage, from an LP hose, from an HP hose. You keep that stuff in mind. Let them each other know. So you're on the same page. And it's not always a dive ender. I mean, a little bubble from a HP hose from the spool going. You know if that goes, it's not a fast leak. Not to get too far off the point. No, but there I think things, it's right on the point. Yeah. yeah. You don't always have to end the dive for it, but you do need to be aware and adjust accordingly. And there are yeah. definitely dive enders, right? There's, sure. Well, I mean, I mean that leaking ho- that leaking air spool, right, when you're dropping down into a overhead environment well there right, yeah. is is a different situation mm-hmm. than you're out on an, Union an Lake, open water 30 feet on of a water. shallow no decompression mm-hmm. limit dive where you've got you know all you the can time directly the ascend can, yeah, yeah. yeah two completely different situations and that's something that you right as a as a good teammate in the water right you're looking for those problems on me because like what, what you know is 
I'm carrying your gas when the shit hits the fan. Exactly. Right. So y- you have your eye out for that. And that's something that divers need to be aware of when you're in the water with somebody. It's not just the flashing of an okay and seeing an okay back. It's really taking the time to look into somebody's eyes and know that the communication was warranted and it actually meant something. And understood. Did, and understood. Ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right on. Yeah. The thing that is too too vague about the okay sign it's just an okay sign it doesn't mean i heard and understood what you were trying to say just means yeah 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 that's why it's not the greatest sign to be using with each other right well because i mean most people flash it they look up they flash it they look away yeah right they don't really confirm that it it was received Mm -hmm. they don't really understand why they even gave it it is they just give it out of habit knowing that they saw something back, and it's just assumption that it's that everything's okay. I know there's a lot of listeners that are like, uh, "Well, you guys are so against the okay sign. What should we be doing?" And I don't think uh, we want to come across like we're against the okay sign, but don't use it all the time vaguely. You know what I mean? Like when I go down with you, if I'm leading, we get down underwater, we do our quick checks. I give an okay, are you good? And I point to the direction we're gonna go and. I wait for you to okay go. You return the same okay go kind of sign. Yeah, but before that, there is a visual lock. Oh yeah, that yeah. Occurs, you're looking at each right? other, and you can and see. And there's there, and that's what I mean. That there's that sixth sense communication. That when the okay comes, it's on time. Versus what you see a lot of when you're diving with somebody new, like as an instructor, you get. You know, you're doing experience dives with people, right? And the the okay, the okay pops up, and then their their attention is gone, and you're like, I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of giving you a signal, yeah. so you stop them, and then you start to go you, and they go okay, and then start swimming. Uh-huh. And you're like, whoa, 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 stop! Just stop a minute. Let me finish my sentence, right? Because it's more than just my finger pointing. I, I I've got. Something to say here. A couple other things that we got to do. <laughs> you know, it, it takes a lot of new people a while to be able to have that awareness to be able to listen to a whole sentence in communication. And even though it's it's like you go over here, something very simple. You know, when you're on that fast of emotion, though, you don't have a time. And a lot of them don't have the control in the water to, to be able to sit there to listen to it. So they just make the flash. And those are the signs that I see showing that somebody is still on the experience building of their diving lifestyle and career and need and need to work on those things before they just grab another class and another card and go to a new depth and a, and a new level. Right, and that's when it's important also to catch it then, not continue to reinforce that as you progress through your advanced rescue whatever specialties dive master or into tech diving yeah yeah right and that's what a good instructor should be looking for is it's not just that you can you know clip and unclip a stage bottle or you can blow the smb now or you can do whatever skill there is a there is a communication and an awareness that a good instructor should be growing in you that's in a way almost more important than the the physical skill the physical skill oh, I think is it's way more important. Get, yeah. yeah. When I was teaching, there was very few that didn't get the full pass because of skills. 
You always knew that their skills would develop. You could see them developing through the course from day one to day three, day four, whatever. But what they did lack was awareness and the uh, recognizing the importance of the awareness. They were very narrow focused, especially if something went wrong. And that's where that situational awareness really has to be broad and stay broad, even when the proverbial shit's hitting the fan. Yeah. Head up. You can't, Eyes open. Yeah, you aware of focus, everything. Yeah, right. that, that's a that's a difficult thing for a lot of divers to get down. Head up, eyes open, awareness everywhere. Be aware of your team. Be aware of your environment. Be aware of your equipment. Right. It would always be that constant recycling in your mind of this is what I'm maintaining all the time, and I'm maintaining awareness of these three things. What would happen when uh, you throw a an entanglement or a an out of gas or a lost mask, boom, they would focus on that and stay focused on that and they would lose their team. They would lose other equipment or their team's equipment or they would not realize where they were in the environment and completely destroy it or get entangled. Or, or, yeah, make things worse because they get that tunnel vision on the one little problem that they're having. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I mean, that's the one thing that I try to impart with these divers that are trying to get out of just that, that basic little recreational world is... It's very easy to have good buoyancy control when all you're focusing on is controlling your buoyancy and, 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 and just staying there. It's That's when you start to, what, what good education is going to do is it's going to take you beyond, tax you and challenge you so that you you can handle the problems, but you still don't lose your buoyancy, buoyancy control. You still don't lose the head up awareness. You still don't lose the eyes open waiting for the next thing to happen because your awareness is broad. Right. You don't dip your fins in the mud. Yeah, all these little things. Yeah, that's that's where it ultimately should be taking mm-hmm. you as, as you grow as a, as a diver. Well, hey, that was a good, fun, cold water dive. A lot of lessons to be learned Lots with that of lessons. story. That's, and, uh, that's why these old, old I learned lessons are great stuff. They are, especially now. I think the hindsight now looking at the way things were taught. Like this right here, I believe is a fundamentally is the way their whole open water was taught. So that's all they knew. I don't like fault the divers for doing what they were taught. No, not at all. But after you go through that, and this is probably part now, of the evolution of how we got where we are, is absolutely. you keep looking at the accidents and incidents and going, well, it's not what we're doing. It's the mindset we're going into it with. Correct. Because in 2019, going into 2020 now, to go back and teach this mentality, you would know better. You would go, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, we would. I, I, I don't know if everybody would, but we would. You and I definitely would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of our listeners that would recognize, too, when they're being taught that mentality, which is trouble happens, shit hits the fan, get to the surface. This is how you do it. Right. If that's the plan, I would say you've neglected to put together a plan. Right. I'm with you. Well, all right, everybody. Um, we always say we're with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm yeah, with you it's nice to have uh, two hosts that agree with each other. <laughs> we need it. We need the... Uh, Counterpoint. We need some guests that are to be like, "Whoa, wait a minute! One time, I was on a steel seventy-two at three hundred ninety feet without a fin. What are you going to do there? Nobody would come with me. What was I supposed to do? Yeah, my rag free flowed. I didn't care. I sucked it right from the tank. I sucked air from the water. I grabbed a fish, cut out his gills, stuck him in my throat." <laughs> Oh man! Do I do a good old timer? The no, old old timers that we used to deal yeah, with. Yeah. Old time Otis here. 
gonna tell you how to dive. Where's your goddamn snorkel? You ain't got no snorkel. Snorkel keeps you grounded. Reminds you who you are, where you came from. Your air breather. Surface dweller. <laughs> goddamn land lovers. Down at 390 feet, you're gonna want that snorkel. For when you get back to the surface. You wanna keep your head in the water. That's how you're gonna live. <laughs> I need a better old-timer voice. Gruff, drinking scotch and smoking cigars. And bow-legged women. Bow-legged women. Okay, we done? Yeah. Is that all we have to say to these people? Yeah. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> okay, uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, come see us up in uh, Alpena at the Film Festival. January 22nd to the 26th. There you go. Long weekend. Check it out. And uh, we will talk to you next, next week. week. Safe diving, people. Yeah. <laughs>